Hello, I'm Derek Walker of the Oxford Bible Church, and I've been sharing uh, last time about the imminent invasion of Israel. I shared about this in 2010 and wrote a book on it, and now I'm bringing out a new revised edition because there's so much has changed since then, and uh, also new insights that I've had that I want to revisit this subject because I believe it's so important. This is an invasion in Ezekiel 38 that's prophesied for the end times. Uh, the setting for it in the previous chapters, it's clear that it's Israel regathered to the land in the last days, but before her national salvation, which will happen around the time of the return of Christ. And so it's in our time now, and it's at least seven years before the second coming of Christ. So it's not the Battle of Armageddon, because they take seven years burning the weapons after, after this invasion. And we've started looking last time at this invasion that really could happen at any time. The whole political alignments are right there now, much more than they were even a few years ago. And it talks about an invasion from the north, led by Russia and other Islamic nations, will invade the mountains of Israel. So let's go to Ezekiel 38. And what happens in this battle will be one of the greatest divine interventions of history. And it will definitely put the God of the Bible very much back on the map into, in the eyes of the nations. And it will create an awe-inspiring demonstration of God's power that will cause many people to come back to faith and they'll be open to the gospel. So we need to be ready for this and it will change the international landscape tremendously. This is, I believe, the next huge event. It could be just before or just after the rapture, but I suspect it's probably going to be before. Now, Ezekiel 38, it goes like this. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, set your face against Gog, and that's the dictator that leads this, of the land of Magog. And we saw that the Magog is, corresponds to today's Russia and her, and her satellites. And then he says he's the prince of Rosh, Mishesh, and Tubal. And that further confirms that this is Russia. Prophesy against him and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I'm against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Mishesh, and Tubal. I will turn you around, put hooks in your jaws, and lead you out. Now in the ancient times, if you, um, if you were in control and you've captured someone, you'd, they'd actually put a hook in the jaw and then of course you could be led in any direction, you, you wouldn't be able to do anything about it. So God is saying he's in control, although Gog will have his reasons to, to attack Israel, actually God is in control because God is actually leading uh, Gog uh, to his judgment that God has planned for Gog, for, for turning against him and also the Jewish people. And so he says he's going to lead him, his whole army, a, a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. And of course, the language they use for the weapons of that time, uh, you know, they didn't have words for missiles and, and so on. So they, they have to use the the equivalent words like swords or whatever um, that Ezekiel knew because again they have, had to use the, the equivalent uh, word because there wasn't a word for the modern weapons. Persia and that's Iran, Kush that's Sudan 
and Libya are with them, all of them with shield and helmet. Goma and all his troops, the house of Togoma from the far north and all its troops. And that is a reference to Turkey. Many peoples are with you. And so what we have here is Iran and Turkey and others. And all the ones listed are Islamic nations that co uh, with form a coalition with Russia in this invasion. And so where do they invade? Well, as we read on in verse 7, we find it's the mountains of Israel. Prepare yourself and be ready, you and all your armies that are gathered around you. Be a guard for them. Be prepared. Yes, prepare yourself, you and all your companies assembled with you. Be a guard and commander for them. And so Russia takes the lead. She's the, the major force. She's the protection of the others. But she also needs all these other nations with her to give her credibility. It's like, uh, it's the thing that happens nowadays, that um, when America goes into Iraq, it, it, need, it could have done it alone, but it, by having a coalition, it gives it respectability, it, it, it creates international support for it. And so Russia will do something similar by building a whole coalition to do this job. And all these nations have the, are motivated to weaken Israel. Ezekiel 38 verse 8. In the latter years, you will come into the land of those brought back from the sword and gathered from many people on the mountains of Israel, which had long been desolate. They had been brought out of the nations and now all of them dwell safety, safely. And so here it's describing Israel's been brought back, been scattered from the land, but now has been brought back in the latter days. That's today. And notice it says that they are on the mountains of Israel. And we pointed out last time that the mountains of Israel is not the whole of Israel, it's a specific part of Israel that is the disputed part of Israel, because the mountains of Israel is almost exactly what is known today as the West Bank, or the, um, the Occupied Territories, as it's called. Although really, I believe that they, it rightly belongs to Israel, not just because of the Abrahamic Covenant, but by international law. But that's not the opinion of, of most of the nations. They, and this is the, the hot issue in world politics today, really, the hottest issue, perhaps, that the nations, even in the recent UN resolution, said that Israel's occupation of those lands of the West Bank is illegal. And so that's why the settlements there, the Jewish settlements, are the hot issue right now. And under President Trump, they probably feel more secure than ever. And so it says they dwell securely because of the American protection, and also because whenever they've attacked Israel before, when his, her neighbors have attacked her, Israel's always won. They've got a very, one of the best militaries in the world. And so they are dwelling securely there on the mountains of Israel. But whenever we talk about this invasion, it's again and again repeated that it's the mountains of Israel. Russia is not, and it, doesn't, it isn't likely that Russia would do uh, an invasion of Israel proper, because that would be a very risky thing to do, not only because America would certainly come in and there'd be World War III, but also because even Israel would go nuclear. But if it's a targeted attack on the mountains of Israel, the West Bank, in order to set up a Palestinian state there, to enforce this two-state solution, which most of the nations want anyway, 
then that will have this international respectability and it will be very hard for Israel to to do anything about that um, and, 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 and fairly hard for, for America really to, to, to risk everything by taking action there and Israel certainly risking her survival by coming up against Russia and so it will be targeted to the mountains of Israel, the, the West Bank and that is Satan's first plan really is to divide uh, is to create that Palestinian state that will weaken Israel and make it much easier then to exterminate Israel in due time and, th and that is the, the general plan Satan, of Satan anyway and so that makes a lot more sense well, that this could happen at any time once you understand in the present political climate the mountains of Israel are the controversial thing that's the Mideast issue isn't it who has the right there and um, that is uh, the powder keg if you like and Russia at some point will calculate it's worth the risk to take proactive action like they did in Syria take proactive action and just take the mountains of Israel create a fait accompli and nobody can do anything about it and that will strengthen Russia's hold on the Middle East tremendously all under the guise of you know, solving the world's problems. So you can understand how it could easily happen. It just needs the right setting for it to happen. So again, it's on the mountains of Israel. Ezekiel 39 says the same. I will bring you Gog, bringing you from the far north, and bring you against the mountains of Israel. And then it says the armies will be destroyed on the mountains of Israel. It says, God says, I'll call for a sword against Gog throughout my mountains, says the Lord God every man's sword will be against his brother. So part of the way God will deal with this army is all these different armies will fight each other. And then he also says about these armies, you shall fall on the mountains of Israel, you and all your troops and the peoples who are with you. All the armies that invade will be destroyed on the mountains of Israel. Well, God, um, God brings divine judgment on any nation that tries to divide the land of Israel that God says is his land he has the right to deal with it that's in Joel 3 2 he says I'll gather all nations and enter into judgment with them there on account of my people my heritage Israel now notice although Israel's in unbelief they are still God's people they're his elect and it says whom they have scattered among the nations they have also divided up my land God says it's my land, you don't have a right to mess with my land. And God has covenanted it to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And when the nations try and divide the land of Israel, as um, the British Empire did in the past, and that's when the empire fell, um, and also this, is, this Russian-led invasion is an attempt to divide the land and create a two-state solution, that will bring judgment on the invading armies. Um, part of the judgment will not just be on the armies, but also on the countries that sent those armies, because Ezekiel 39.6 says, I'll send fire on Magog and on those who live in security in the coastlands. Then they will know that I am the Lord. And even notice, even when God judges, he does it for the purpose that they will repent, that they will know that he's the Lord. So he does, even judgments are for the purpose of salvation of those people. Well, 
the question of who is the rightful possession of the mountains of Israel really boils down to whether God means what he says, whether he keeps his word or he doesn't. And this invasion of the mountains of Israel, God, is an opportunity for God to demonstrate his power and the fact that he is faithful to keep his word. So in other words, the physical battle that takes place is actually the manifestation of a spiritual warfare. Satan, behind the scenes, Satan is challenging God's word, God's authority over the earth, and the nations, when they deny Israel their right to the mountains of Israel and try and establish a Palestinian state there, they actually set themselves against God and his revealed will. And they will bear the consequences when they actually take action against Israel and God will step in and deal with it. You see, the mountains of Israel are not some little peripheral piece of the land of Israel. The mountains of Israel are actually the, um, the heartland. And if you actually look at where God spoke to Abraham and promised him the land, the key places like Jerusalem and uh, Hebron, and Bethel, um, Shechem, and so on. They are all on the mountains of Israel. This is the heartland of Israel, also known as Judea Samaria. And so this is the prime disputed territory, but it is, God says, it's my land. And this is where the Jewish settlements are right now. And that's why it's the settlements that are a key issue. And this constant uh, UN resolutions uh, are off and, and boycotting and so on is, is focused on the, f on the fact of these settlements. But what you've got to understand that behind that, Satan has a bigger plan to destroy Israel completely. But phase one is to actually destroy Israel's hold on the mountains of Israel. And that's really the heartland of Israel. You know, Understanding that this invasion is just on the mountains of Israel, on the West Bank, it explains, it helps us explain a number of things. Number one, how can God, using all the forces of nature, because God actually destroys these armies with an earthquake, with hail, uh, with all kinds of stuff, um, but how can he do that without hurting Israel itself or the Jewish people? Well, when the armies attack the mountains of Israel, then of course all the settlers will run to safety to Israel proper. And then when the judgment falls on the mountains, then it, it won't hurt those who are in Israel proper. Also, why is there no mention of Israel fighting back? Um, if it was an invasion of, the heart of, of Israel itself, then of course Israel would fight back for her survival. They'd, they would do anything. But if it was limited to the disputed uh, occupied territories, as it were, then it wouldn't make sense for Israel to risk her survival by going to war against Russia if Russia is simply, as it were, enforcing some UN resolutions. And thirdly, it is very unlikely that Russia and the other nations would risk a wholesale invasion of Israel considering she's a nuclear power and would use that. And, and also they would realise that the USA would certainly step in and we'd be into World War III. So that explains these, these difficulties. But we can see that under certain conditions, under certain motivations, Russia would calculate that it would be worth the risk 
to invade the West Bank in the name of solving the Israel-Palestinian issue. Um, she would ca could count on the support of these uh, other invading nations, which are mostly Islamic. But also she could count on wider international support, even, you know, uh, many other nations, because they also are against Israel take it, having those mountains. And they would be glad, in a way, for the Palestinian situation to be solved, even if it's a forced solution. And so Russia would expect there wouldn't be much opposition in the world, or if there was, just a fairly lukewarm opposition, because this is the pretext she's using, that it will create a Palestinian state. And so, plausibly, she, Russia would calculate Israel would not risk her survival by fighting back, and, and that the USA wouldn't risk going into world war over the West Bank, because in the world's eyes it doesn't belong to the Israel anyway, but to the Palestinians, in many nations' eyes. And also, it explains a rather, rather strange phrase in Ezekiel 38, verse 11, that seems to be out of place. It says, you will say, speaking to Gog, I will go up against the land of unwalled villages. That's that phrase, a land of unwalled villages. I will go to a peaceful people who dwell safely or securely, all of them dwelling without walls. Now, there's three phrases here, and all of them fit present situation perfectly. Number one, Israel's a peaceful people, yes. Although she lives in a troubled neighborhood and she's willing and able to defend herself, she does want to live in peace with her neighbors and she's consistently shown that when she has a real partner for peace, she can make peace as with, uh, and she wants to make peace like Egypt and Jordan. Then it also says Israel and those in the settlements, they dwell securely. Now, this doesn't mean there isn't a threat, but again, her she feels her defences are strong. She can repel any attacker, certainly any of her neighbours. Now, of course, Russia, that's a bit of a different issue, but uh, generally she feels safe even then because of American protection. So she dwells securely. Her own military is one of the best, but also she has America on her side. And, and, and whenever her neighbours have attacked her, she has defeated them very quickly. Um, and so this fits the present situation. They dwell securely. But what about this phrase? The, the, these mountains of Israel is the land of unwalled villages. Now, this seems out of place. It seems like it doesn't fit with today because right now there are no towns or, or cities in the world have walls. That's a relic from the past. So why, why would this phrase be used? Why would that would be a significant thing? Why would the enemy say this is a land of unwalled villages? Because that's true about any place in the world. No city anywhere has walls because modern weapons make city walls irrelevant uh, for defensive purposes. So the first impression is this is completely out of place for a prophecy of the last days when, you know, walls are irrelevant, they're redundant. Because, and so this phrase seems to tell us nothing, because it would be true for anywhere on the earth. Therefore, this phrase must be a figure of speech, 
this land of unwalled villages, is a figure of speech describing something about this land that's equivalent to what the land of unwalled villages meant in Ezekiel's time. You see, until modern times, the usual arrangement is that you have a central city with walls, um, and then that would be surrounded by unwalled villages. So the land of unwalled villages is the land surrounding the walled city. And these villages, or small towns, would be called the daughters of the city, the mother city. They would pay taxes to the main city, they'd be under her authority, her covering, her protection. So if there was an invasion, those daughter villages, the people, they could flee behind the walls of the mother city and just pray that the mother will open the gates to them. And in that way of thinking, for instance, Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem is the mother city. Galatians 4.26 says that. And the earthly Jerusalem is called the daughter of Zion. You've probably heard that phrase. And so when under attack, the earthly Jerusalem, those could run to the Lord in the heavenly Jerusalem uh, to trust under his wings. Do you remember Jesus talked about that? Oh, you know, I would want to spread my wings over you and I would protect you. Speaking to the leaders of Jerusalem, but you were not willing. And so we have this arrangement that you know, even though the earthly Jerusalem had physical walls, it, compared to the impregnable mother city, it was as if she was an all unwalled city. And, she, and, and really, if Jerusalem in her history would have turned to God in their danger, and, and there, there are instances where they do, then God supernaturally would move in protection. For instance, in the days of Hezekiah, Hezekiah got into faith, he prayed to God, and that's when the angel of the Lord destroyed the Assyrian army that was about to destroy Jerusalem. So here we have the, that the land of unwalled villages describes the region surrounding a fortified city which was under the authority of that city. But it wasn't fortified itself. In times of danger, the ones in the villages could flee behind the covering walls of the mother city for safety. And so what this phrase means is that the enemy, Gog, sees this land as relatively unprotected and easy to conquer compared to the fortified city. Even though physical walls are no longer relevant in these latter days, we can deduce the modern equivalent of what's meant by this phrase, corresponding to the meaning in the ancient times. So the enemy who uses this phrase sees this area as fairly unprotected and easy to capture compared to the fortified region nearby for which it depends for its protection. And so he encourages himself that he can achieve his objective without paying too high a price. Whereas trying to take the fortified region would be another matter. And so it signifies a region less next to a fortified region that is relatively easy to attack. And I hope by now you can see that this phrase perfectly describes the present-day Jewish settlements in the West Bank. Israel proper is the fortified city that would be impossible to attack without suffering great losses. The West Bank settlements are a region, though, of unwalled villages under the authority of Israel, depending on her for protection, but, not, but nevertheless a much easier target for the enemy. 
So when Gog invades this region, as in ancient times, these daughter settlements, what will they do? They've got no choice but to run behind the walls, to run into Israel proper for safety. Gog will think he's been successful. He's driven the Jews out of the West Bank, and he thinks he'll have taken over this region. He will have a personal advantage out of this situation because he will now control the Middle East. He will have that key piece of control there because he won't entirely move out, but he will do it to establish the, the Palestinian state there. But he will now have the foothold in the Middle East that he wants. And, um, but actually, although Gog thinks he's successful, God has this planned the whole time. Because once the Jewish settlers have been removed and escaped, he will be free to move in judgment against those invading armies on the mount, mountains of Israel. And so understanding that the target is the mountains of Israel to set up the Jewish state there actually goes a long way to, to understanding this battle. There are different levels of what is caused by this battle. First of all, we know that God is in control. He is the one that brings Gog into this battle because he wants to judge Gog and those other nations. And there will be a definite judgment on the House of Islam at this time. And as a result, many Muslims will come to Christ and believe in the God of the Bible. He will, God will use a hook, and that will be to, a hook in the jaw to draw them in. That will be Russia's economic self-interest and desire for power in the region. We'll talk about that later. They're, the pretext to make it look respectable will be that they will be solving the Palestinian issue. And the catalyst that will actually make this possible, well again, it could be the settlement expansion, it could be that Israel takes some kind of action against Iran, and in that moment that creates the opportunity, the catalyst for this invasion. And when everything lines up, this invasion will happen in God's time. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And our vision is to spread the in-depth teaching of the word of God to the ends of the earth, but we need your help. If you can partner with us or, or pray for us, contribute to us, it will make all the difference to make this possible. And on our website, oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk, you, you can find the, a way you can help us financially and we would be so grateful. You may already have my book called The Imminent Invasion of Israel, but this is the revised, expanded edition. It's practically like a new book. It's been rewritten with lots more information in, new revelation in, brings you up to speed with the present political situation. And so this book is all about what is going to happen anytime soon, that invasion of Ezekiel 38. So I've just rewritten it, I've expanded it, it's much bigger than the previous one. So please, even if you've got the old one, it's really out of date now, you need to get this one. The Invasion of Israel. It's going to happen anytime soon. Make sure you're ready. You can watch more of our teachings on our Oxford Bible Church Roku channel and Derek Walker YouTube channel. You're most welcome to join us at our church services, which are every Sunday at 11am and 6pm at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford, OX3 7QH.
you can order CDs, DVDs, books and other great products from our online shop at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk or by calling 01865 515 086.